I don't know if that uh, hand's familiar before the choir, but I'll take it, praise the Lord. And it's good to be here tonight in the state of Texas. It's, well, praise God, amen. Of course, when you live in Atlanta, Georgia, you're glad to be anywhere, amen. And uh, your pastor's already told me I don't look like much, but uh, I don't know if he's looked in the mirror lately, but God bless you, man. <laughs> They enjoyed that way too much. Oh, my. I'm sorry, ma'am. You make the pastor's wife the first, mad the first night of the meeting. That's good. Boy, the Lord is good tonight. If you're saved, raise your right hand. If you know it, raise your left hand. If you don't know your right from your left, just say praise the Lord. Amen. The Lord is good. Mark's Gospel, chapter number five. In your Bible tonight, Mark's Gospel, chapter number five. I appreciate Brother Hunt asking us to come and be a part of this meeting and enjoy the good choir singing tonight. And I'm glad we serve a awesome, mighty, eternal, personal, omnipotent, sovereign God. He's God, and besides him, there is none else. Turn to somebody to your left and say, you look good tonight. You really do. You look good tonight. Now turn to somebody to your right and say, you ugly, but I'm going to be praying for you. Don't do You'd be surprised at the husbands that fall for that. I was preaching in Knoxville, Tennessee the other day, and I came in, and a guy in the back, had his arm around this lady. I said, hey, buddy, is that your sweetheart? He said, no, it's my wife. <laughs> and needless to say, they had revival, praise the Lord. God is good. In the book of Mark tonight, chapter number five, we'll begin reading in verse 22. And behold, there cometh one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name. And when he saw him, he fell at his feet. And besought him greatly, saying, My little daughter lieth at the point of death. I pray thee, come and lay thy hands on her that she may be healed. And say this line out loud with me, And she shall live. And Jesus went with him, and much people followed him and thronged him. We'll leave off the reading in verse 24, and we'll pick it back up again. In verse number 35, and the reason why we do that is this. While Jesus is on his way to Jairus' house, that's when that woman with that issue of blood pressed through that crowd and touched Jesus and Jesus touched her. Now there's two things about that I like. Number one, you can't get lost in a crowd. It doesn't matter how many people are trying to get to Jesus. You can't get lost in a crowd. He can save 10,000 people at one time and yet save everybody one at a time. He is the God of the world, but he's also the God of the individual. You can't get lost in a crowd. And something else about that I like is this. It is no secret what God can do. There are no boundaries and borders and limits to what God can do. It is no secret what God can do for what is done for others. He can do for you. 
And so he touches this lady and heals her. And we pick up the narrative again in verse number 35. And while he yet spake, there came from the ruler of the synagogue's house certain which said, Thy daughter is dead, while troublest thou the master any further. And I don't know who this messenger is, but whoever it is doesn't know much about Jesus because this man is not troubling the master. Neither are you if you're calling upon him tonight. He wants to hear from you. We have access to the throne of grace. You're not troubling the master. Verse 36, and as soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he saith unto the ruler of the synagogue, Say this out loud with me. Be not afraid, only believe. Now watch your Bible in verse 42. And straightway the damsel arose and walked, for she was of the age of 12 years, and they were astonished with a great astonishment. That in the Greek means they looked at each other and went, wow. And aren't you glad that we serve a God that can wow you and I? I believe we have before us tonight one of the most vivid and clear pictures of intercessory prayer that you'll find in all of the Bible. I believe tonight the greatest praying that we'll ever do, the most needed praying that we'll ever do, and yes, the most rewarded praying that we'll ever do are the prayers that we pray on behalf of others. I remember what Paul told the young preacher, Timothy. He said, I would that prayers, supplication, giving of thanks, and intercession be made for all of the saints. I'm thankful tonight for the doctrine in the Bible called the intercessory prayers of the saints. Let me say it like this tonight. If there's someone in your life, if there's someone in your world that loves you enough to pray for you, you are a blessed individual. Can I say that again? If there's someone in your world, in your life, that loves you enough to pray for you, then you are a blessed individual. The greatest thing tonight somebody could do for you is to pray for you. The greatest thing you could do for somebody else tonight in their life is to pray for them. While most of us are here tonight because somebody prayed for us. This church tonight is filled with answered prayers. One day somebody went and got a hold of God and God came and got a hold of us. And I'm glad we serve a God that we can get a hold of. I'm glad we serve a God that we can go get, and he'll go get on somebody else. I'm glad he is a God that not only moves in our life, but he moves in the lives of others as well. I'm glad the God we serve tonight is the alive God. I'm glad he is the able God. I'm glad he is the awesome God. But I'm glad he is the available God, the accessible God. We have not a great high priest which cannot be touched 
with the feelings of our infirmities. In fact, I believe the Bible teaches us that lives have been changed because somebody touched heaven. I believe revivals have come because somebody touched heaven. I believe the course of history has been rewritten because somebody touched heaven. I know a whole lot of drunken daddies got to be sober daddies because somebody touched heaven. Wayward sons and daughters have found their way back to God and home because somebody touched heaven. I believe Abraham touched heaven for his nephew Lot. I believe Moses touched heaven for the nation of Israel. And I know that Paul and Silas touched heaven for that early infant church. And I know one day that Jesus Christ touched heaven for all of us because there is one mediator between God and man and that is the man, Christ Jesus. I'm glad we serve a God that we can get a hold of. And I'm glad that God can go get a hold of somebody else because we went and got a hold of him. And there may be someone in your life tonight. There may be someone in your world tonight that needs a touch from God, a work of God, a miracle from God. Man, we can go get Jesus. Jesus can go get them because I'm glad he is a God that we can get a hold of. In our text tonight, we see this man by the name of Jerry. And he has a little girl that's sick. It's beyond his control and his power to do anything. So he gets and goes Jesus. And Jesus comes to the house and does for the daddy and the daughter what the daddy couldn't do for him or the daughter. And when the scene comes to the close, the daddy gets none of the glory and Jesus gets all of the glory. Does that sound like the story of your life? We were lost and undone, but somebody got a hold of God, and God got a hold of us. And there may be somebody in your life tonight that you need to go get Jesus for. And can I say he is available, and he is accessible, and he's still in the moving, blessing business tonight. Notice in our text tonight, there are three things about this intercessory prayer that I want us to see. Number one, I want you to see tonight the mandate that drove this man to Jesus. The mandate that drove this man to Jesus. Now you say, Brother Joe, why do you use such a strong word, mandate? Well, let me say it like this. What would cause this grown man to leave that sick little girl and go all the way across town and bow down at the feet of Jesus and beg him like a child to come to his house and touch his daughter. What would make a man do that? Well, I've already answered it. He is a daddy with a daughter. He is a daddy with a daughter with a daughter. You say, what do you mean by that? Well, if you don't understand that, you're not a daddy with a daughter. Because a daddy with a daughter will do things 
he said he would never do. He won't buy things he said he would never buy. He won't go places he said he would never go. All because the daughter looked up at him with that manipulating look she got from her mother and said, please, daddy, please. Ladies, if you know how to do that, please. There is no limit to what you can have in this world. You say, how do you know? I'm a daddy with a daughter. I'm a daddy with a blonde daughter. I'm a daddy with a blue-eyed blonde daughter. I am a daddy with a blonde daughter who is also an attorney at law. I know how to give in. I made my brags all over this country how I hated cats. And the best cat was a dead cat. And there'd never be any cats at my house. Oh, but one day the daughter, with that chin quivering, tears running down her face, oh, daddy, can we get a cat? Guess who got a cat? I put my foot down. I said, now listen, we may get a cat, but that thing is an animal and it's not coming in my house. And one night the lightning flashed and the thunder rolled and the wind blew and the rain descended and she said, Daddy, oh, Daddy, flee, flee, it's outside in the storm. Can it please come into the house? Well, guess who came in the house? Guess who jumped up to bed with me at three o'clock in the morning? Flee, flee. I put my foot down. I said, now listen, if that thing gets sick, it's going to die. I'm not going to take my hard-earned money going to a vet over no cat. If it gets sick, it's dead. One morning before I went to the airport, I didn't know during the night that Flea Flea had climbed up in the motor of my car. And when I cranked it up, I mean, fur goes everywhere. Man, I throw the hood up. That lays across the motor of my car. Oh, you say, what did you do? I grabbed that thing, wrapped it up in a towel, put it in a box, got it in my car, turned on my emergency flashers and run over blind people and crippled people and old people going to the vet. Pulled into that vet parking lot on two wheels and ran in there, put the cat in there, and put my credit cards out and said, hey, if that thing's got nine lives, I want to buy three before I get out of here. <laughs> About like that woman from Alabama, she's backing out of her driveway and she ran over a cat and cut its tail off. And so she takes the cat and the tail and throws it in a box and her husband says, Ethel, where are you going? She said, I'm going to Walmart. He said, why are you going to Walmart? She said, well, they said on TV a while ago, they're America's number one retailer, so I'm going to go over there to Walmart. <laughs> That's going to get you at 4 o'clock in the morning, and you're going to go, that was funny right there. Man, I did what I said I'd never do, all because of that little daughter. That's daddy. Boy, here in this text, we see a daddy with a daughter. In this text, they're not having a birthday party. 
In this text, they're not having a sweet 16 party. In this text, they're not having a graduation party. In this text, they're having a death watch because the Bible said that she was at the point of death. That means tonight, ladies and gentlemen, that the next breath she breathes may be her last. That means the next time her heart beats, it might be her last. It means the next second that ticks off of the clock will be her last. Here is his baby. Here is his daughter. Here is his darling. The death sweat is on her brow. Her fever is raging. Her eyes are sunk back in her head. And here is daddy with a daughter, and he seems helpless. Notice who this daddy is tonight. The Bible says he is Jairus, the ruler of the synagogue. That tells me three things tonight. Number one, he is a man of authority. He is a man of position. He is a man of power. He is a man that tells other men what to do, and they have to do it. But all of a sudden, here is a man that his power, his authority is not enough. It's amazing he can command a group of soldiers in the synagogue, but he can't command the disease to leave the body of that little girl. For the first time in his life, this daddy's had to realize, I'm over my head. I am beyond the ability to do anything about it. His power is not enough. Boy, don't you just love these people that give you the idea and the attitude that they're always in control and they're always on top and they always know what to do. I want to tell you there's something coming to your house and something coming to my house that we will not have the power or the ability to do anything about. He is a man of power and of authority. He's Jairus, the ruler of the synagogue. That tells me something else. He's a religious man. He's a good moral man. Why, he is the ruler of the synagogue. He's not a drunk. He's not a cursor. He's not a profaner. He's not a fornicator. He is a good, moral, religious, upstanding man. But Jairus finds out something that all of us will find out some point in our life, that being saved and being dedicated and being a Christian and loving God and going to church and doing right does not insulate us nor isolate us from the storms and the troubles and the trials of life. This man said to me the other day, he said, you Christians that talks about God and the Holy Spirit and the Bible. If God is all that good and you still have trouble in your life, why do you claim to be a Christian? I said, I'll tell you why. Because we got a God to look to and a God to lean on and a grace to help us when the storms of life do come. And when we're overwhelmed, our God is never overwhelmed. He finds out that his power his authority is not enough. He finds out that his religion, his morals, his goodness is not enough. Something else about Jairus, according to this text, he has a house. According to this text, he has a piece of land. According to this text, he has a wife and he has a daughter. That means he's got money. That means he is a man of means. You say, Brother Joe, how do you deduce that? It takes money to have land. It takes money to have a house. And if you put a wife in that house, it takes money. 
And if you put a daughter and a wife in that house, somebody better have a job. Oh, let me tell all you young fellas tonight, in the dating stage of your life, the greatest way to get your girlfriend's mother and father to like you, have a job. Can I get a witness in the church house? Oh, he's got money to buy a house. He has money to have a family. But pastor, he has not enough money to buy her healing. All of the money Jairus has that he can conjure up cannot buy her a second, cannot buy her a day. He cannot buy the health and the healing that she needs. Here is a man that is helpless. Here is a man that is hopeless. Here is a man that his power is not enough. He can't heal this girl with his authority. Here is a man whose morals and religion is not enough. Here is a man whose money is not enough. Here is a man that is it's over his head. It's beyond his pocket. It's out of his hand. Here is a man that is helpless. Here is a man that is desperate. And that's what drove him to Jesus. I was watching this news thing the other day and I know you're not supposed to talk to the television but I've been screaming at mine. And this man was talking about he's never bowed his knee to God or anybody else and begged for anything. I said, oh boy, let me tell you, there's a storm coming. There's a trial coming. There's an affliction coming. There's a crisis coming that's big enough to drive us all to our knees and drive us all to the feet of Jesus. And by the way, tonight, if our troubles and our maladies and our storms don't drive us to Jesus, then we didn't learn the lesson. There are some things bigger than me. It's beyond my ability. It's beyond my pocketbook. It's beyond my hand. And brother, there's times when we can't do nothing but just say, oh God, I need you tonight more than I ever have. The mandate that drove this man to Jesus is desperate. Boy, I see Jairus as he leans over the fevered body of that little girl. I see Jairus as he leans down and kisses the burning cheek of his dying child. I can hear him say, honey, I'm sorry. This is too big for daddy. This is too powerful for daddy. Daddy's money is not enough. Daddy's authority is not enough. Daddy's position in society is not enough. But hold on, honey. I've heard about another daddy. And I've heard about another father. Mmm. Mmm. That ought to make a Presbyterian keep the back end of his choir robe out right there, buddy. Mm-hmm. He said, I've heard about another father. I've heard about another daddy. He doesn't need my power. He doesn't need my goodness. He doesn't need my money. He's everything that I'm not and more. And can I remind you tonight, the God they sang about and the God I'm preaching about tonight is everything that he claimed to be and more on top of it. So he says, Daddy can't help you. But I know a man who can. And he kisses that little girl and he turns and walks away. 
I'm telling you, that is hard to do. If you are a man and a husband and a daddy, that is hard to do. Hard, what do you mean hard to do? To admit you are whooped. Come on, fellas, especially you Texas boys. It's hard for us to admit we're whooped. You don't believe it? Go to the average home on Christmas Eve. You put the kids to bed. You didn't know that thing you bought them came in 49 billion zillion pieces. So you dump it all in the floor. She gets out the instruction manual. And you say, I'll be back in a minute. And you come back with a pair of pliers and some duct tape and you are ready. A real man can take a Roll a duct tape and a flyer fire and fix the, the shuttle. And boy, there you stand and there she stands and she's saying, look at the book. And you say, no, 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 just turn that a picture around this way like this right here and I'll look at that picture and boy, <laughs> boy, I feel conviction right over here somewhere. It's come. Man, God is really moving over here with somebody. And, and, and man, it's, it's two o'clock in the morning and, and, and she's screaming now and she's about to cry and you're about to do other things. And, and, and it's 4.30 in the morning and Rudolph is prancing on the roof and, and, oh, and finally you give in and read the instructions and, and in about five minutes, there it is. Boy, it's hard for all of us to swallow our pride and say, God, this is too big for me. This is too powerful for me. I'm in over my head. It's beyond my pocket. It's out of my hand. But daddy realized that little girl's gonna die if he don't swallow his pride and go get somebody who can do what daddy cannot do. The mandate that drove this man to Jesus, number two, notice the mission that directed this man to Jesus. He's a man on a mission. I see him as he walks out of that house. I see him as he walks down the cobblestone sidewalk. I see Jairus. He's a man on a mission. Somebody comes by and says, hey, Jairus, where are you going? And I can hear him say, I'm going for deity. I'm going for sovereignty. I'm going for omnipotence. What, 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 what do you mean, Jairus? Are, are you going for the doctor? No, I'm going for the great physician. Jairus, are you going for the lawyer? No, I'm going for the lawgiver. Jairus, are you going for the preacher? No, I'm going for the message of the preacher. Jairus, are you going to the priest? Kind of, but I'm going to the great high priest. Jairus, are you going for the shepherd? kind of, but I'm going for the good shepherd and the great shepherd and the chief shepherd. Jairus, where are you going? I'm going for God. I'm going for Jesus. I'm going for somebody who has more power than I have and more money than I have and more ability than I have. I'm going to get somebody that can do what I cannot do. He's a man on a mission. And I hear somebody say, well, Jairus, how far you got to go? And as the tears run down his face, he says, for my baby, not too far. 
But Jairus, how long is it going to take you to get there? And I can hear him say from my baby, not too long. Oh, but Jairus, what all have you got to go through to get to him? And I can hear him say from my baby, not too much. And can I tell you something, church, tonight? For God to save our lost loved ones and for God to save our family and for God to send revival to our country and for God to save the next generation. It is not too far. It is not too long. It is not too much. It's worth it. It's worth it. The person in your life that needs a touch from God tonight, they are worth the trouble. They are worth the effort. And aren't you glad somebody felt that way about you one time? He's a man on a mission and he means to get what he's going for. There's a crowd, he goes on. There's a challenge, he goes on. There might even be some critics, but he goes on. There's one thing driving him, that little girl at the point of death. Boy, you know what I love about Jerry? You know what I love about Jerry is he knew, boy, I felt like preaching right here. He knew where to go. He knew who to go to. And what I love about him, he knew how to talk to him when he got there. Because the Bible said when he finally got to where Jesus was, he fell at his feet. You say, what is so significant about that? Whether he goes home with you or not. Notice he didn't get up in his face. He got down at his feet. You remember those two sisters, Martha and Mary? Man, they got the same mama, got the same daddy, live in the same house, got the same brother. But boy, are they different. How many parents we got here tonight with more than one child? Man, they're different. I don't understand how they can live at the same house and go to the same church and eat the same food. Different. Son, if you got two children, I'm done, you can have one that's as smart as a tack and well, <laughs> hmm. You have another and dumber than a box of rocks. Quit looking around, quit looking around. Son, you can have one, you can say, stop. And they stop. Brother, you have one, you can frail, you can wail, and you can yell. And they're still going to, why? And boy, that gives you an opportunity to testify. Because I said so. Boy, don't that feel good to finally be able to say? Martha and Mary, they're sisters, but they're different. They got a brother that's sick. They send for Jesus. Jesus waits four days. But remember this, he's always on time. Yes, he is. Boy, when Jesus gets to town, here comes Martha. Now, I'm telling you, she's a Baptist. She is Baptist born and Baptist bred, and when she dead, she's going to be Baptist dead. Because the first thing she does is lecture Jesus. Gets all up in his face. She'd have been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Let me just tell you, there's a Martha in every church. You say, who is that? She's going to get her done, son. 
She is going to get it done. Now, she may make everybody in the church mad as a devil while she does it, but she's going to get it done. And she's going to get in your face and bless you out if you ain't helping her getting it done. I thought about preaching tonight with a real Martha. Please stand up. And Jesus said, look at me, sweetheart. Your brother's going to live again. And here's why I believe she's Baptist. She starts quoting scripture to the man who wrote the book. And let me just say this, if quoting scripture when you pray helps you pray, then do it. But if you're quoting scripture when you pray to remind God of what he said, he remembers. I love to hear Baptist people, God, you know you said, he knows that he put it in there. She said, I know it's going to live again to the last day of the great resurrection. And Jesus said, read my lips. I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth on me, though he did yet, shall he live. He's going to live now. And he looks around and said, where's Mary? She's different. Mary, she's off by herself. My Martha's mad. Everybody knows it. She'll tell you. If Martha's playing old maid, she has the old maid, she's got it stuck four inches above all the other cards. <laughs> you like that one, huh? But Martha's an introvert. She don't want nobody around her. She builds a wall. She isolates, she isolates herself. And for four days, she's been in a secret place. And she's wept and cried and wept and cried and wept cried. There's no more tears. Where's, where's Mary? Jesus, she's off over there in a weeping place and I love what Jesus told Martha. He said, you go tell her. The master's come and he calleth for thee. <sighs> Glory to God, I'm having fun. I wish I'd have come last night. Go tell her the master's coming. He called it for thee. And the Bible said that Martha went secretly and told Mary the master's come. And he called it for thee. And man, Mary tore out of that house and she starts running out there to where Jesus is. And those mourners say, look at her. She's going to the grave to weep again. But she doesn't go to the grave. She goes to the resurrection and the life. She goes to Jesus Christ. And when she gets out there to where Jesus is, she says the same thing thing her sister says but she says it in a different spirit and a different attitude. You'd have been here my brother wouldn't have died. You know the difference? Martha's in his face accusing. You'd have been here my brother wouldn't have died but when Mary got out there to where he was she fell at his feet and started weeping. If you'd have been here my brother wouldn't have died. And son, when Jesus saw that woman weeping at his feet, boy, about that time something hits the side of Mary's face and it runs down Mary's face and it drips off Mary's chin and it puddles on Mary's hands and she looks up and not only is she crying, but Jesus is a crying. And her tears got to mingling with his tears. 
and his tears got to mingling with her tears. And I just need to tell somebody tonight, you need this miracle in your life. You need that child saved tonight. You need that moving of God in your life tonight. Listen to me. Get out of God's face and quit blaming God and accusing God and get at his feet and adore God and worship God and bless God. Business a pick up in your life. Oh, the mandate that drove him, the mission that directed him, the number three, I'm not closing, but I'm on that way. The miracle that delighted this man in Jesus. It was a miracle. The Bible said in our text, and Jesus went with him. Boy, can you imagine how excited Jairus is. He's got Jesus. He's got the healer. He's got the rose of Sharon, the lily of the valley of the bright and the morning star. He's got the mighty God, Prince of Peace, everlasting Father. Mm. He's got the king. He's got deity. He's got the emancipator. Lord, he's got the spirit sender, the light shiner, the problem solver, the mountain climber, the heart calmer, the water walker. Hey, hey, he's got the man. He's got God. He's got Jesus. He's got the remedy. Aren't you glad he makes house calls? I can just, in my mind, I got a wild imagination. Can I use it? Oh, I can just see him. As he begins to yell, hold on, baby, me and Jesus is coming. Hold on, hon, me and Jesus is coming. I know daddy let you down a while ago. Daddy didn't have the power. Daddy didn't have the money. But I got it all now, sweetheart. I got it all now. I got somebody bigger than daddy, more powerful than daddy. Hang on, baby, daddy and Jesus is on the way. And while they're going, all of a sudden, here comes a throng people. And now they're surrounded by hundreds and hundreds of people. And I'm telling you, Jarius is a good man. You say, how do you know? Because it had been me, I'd have got me a ball bat and I'd have cleared me a path. I'd have said, get out of my way. I got to him first. It's not your daughter I'm concerned about. It's mine. Now move out of my way. Watch this. He has so much faith now birthed in his heart that he can wait on the Lord. You see, he's a ruler of the synagogue. He knows the Old Testament like we know the back of our hand. And he's already read thousands of times what the prophet said, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Mm -mm. he's got enough faith to wait it out. He's, watch what he's got. He's got enough faith to watch God work in somebody else's life, work in somebody else's family. He's got enough faith to watch God save somebody else's little girl and not get bitter and not get mad. He's got so much faith tonight that he knows help is on the way and if he waits on God, he'll not be denied nor disappointed. While he's waiting, here comes this woman with that issue of blood. 
she presses through that crowd. And the Bible said she touched the hem of his garment. What is a hem? That's the finishing work of the garment. To get a hem, you know what you have to do? One side has to be lifted up. To get a hem, you know what you have to do? That side that it's lifted has to be pierced and wounded with a sharp instrument. And to hold that hem in place, there's an unseen cord running through that which is lifted and pierced, and it finishes the garment. Lord, have mercy. You know what that's a picture of? Jesus Christ, our Savior, was lifted high upon that cross, and he was wounded for our transgressions. And there's a scarlet line from Genesis to Revelation called the blood of Christ that holds it all together. And Jesus cried, it is finished. She touched the finished work of his garments. By the way, you know what emancipated us? You know what satisfied us? You know what saved us? Well, all of us in this room tonight by faith touched the finished work of Christ and the cross. We were made whole of our plague of sin and unbelief. And when she touched him, oh boy, she ain't a Baptist. She's Pentecostal because the Bible said she felt it in her body. You know the difference between Baptists and Pentecostal people? Baptists, we're on telecable. Pentecostal, they got their antennas up. <laughs> she felt it in her body. But not only did she feel it, Brother Hunt, Jesus felt it. And the Bible said, virtue, power, dynamite, authority came out of him. And Jesus turns and says, hey, who touched me? And I just throw this in. When an all-knowing God asks questions, he ain't hunting information. You say, well, if God knows everything, then why does he ask questions? He's creating an honest attitude for you to get honest and real. He asked you a question. He's given you an opportunity to be honest and confess, it's me. Who touched me? And I see her wave that hand. It's me. And I love what Mark said. She just fell down before him. Just like a woman and told him everything. You're supposed to laugh right there, girls. And told him all the truth. Now watch this, scene unfold. Here's Jesus, here's Jairus, and there's that woman talking. And she says to Jesus, let me tell you why I did this. She said, sir, hold on now, this is where you may shout a little bit. Hold on. You may embarrass yourself right here now. Sir, I have been sick for 12 years. Brother, when that woman said 12, Jarius, 12, 12. She just say 12? Oh my, that's how old my daughter is, 12. Oh my, if he can heal a woman that's been sick for 12, surely he can heal a little girl that's been alive for 12. 
Numbers must not mean anything to him. He can do it all. And then while he is standing there trying to get all of that soaked in, Jesus says something to this girl, to this woman. He only says two other times in all of the Bible, Jesus looked at that woman and said, Daughter? Jesus called that woman daughter. Daughter? Son. When Jairus heard Jesus call that woman daughter, it hit him. He's got one too. He knows how I feel. And if he loves his daughter, surely he loves mine. If he can help his daughter, surely he can help mine. If he healed his daughter, surely he can heal mine. He's in the daughter business. And can I tell you the Jesus we're preaching about tonight is in the daddy business, the mama business, the son business, the daughter business. He's in the everybody business. Jesus is not a Calvinist. And neither are you if you got any sense. He tasted death for every man. He died for every man. He'll save anybody that'll come to the cross. Hallelujah, what a Savior. Daddy, daughter. I remember when the Lord first pushed me out 28 years ago to preach all over this country. I was in 100 places last year. That's a whole lot for an old fat, bald-headed guy. When I first started traveling, the devil wore me out. Go on, flaming evangelist. Go on, Mr. Hotshot. Go on, preach all these places. But I'll wreak havoc at your place. Go ahead and try to win everybody else's family. Go win everybody else's kids. I'll take care of yours. I'll send yours to hell. I'll, I'll get yours. I'll destroy yours. And I've cried myself to sleep many nights in hotels. Cried at airports, cried going up the road. Oh, God, while I preach to others, God, don't let me lose my own. Oh, about 15 years ago, I was one Sunday night, I'd come in from church to get my stuff together, and the phone rang, and it was the pastor I was going to be with on Monday. He said, Brother Joe, I don't know how to tell you this, but I was in my prayer closet praying a while ago, and the Holy Ghost told me to call you and tell you, don't come up here tomorrow night, you come Tuesday. I know you've got a plane ticket. I know it costs the money to change at the last minute. But the Spirit of God said, you need to be home tomorrow night. I said, I'll stay. I told my wife. She said, oh, God, something bad's going to happen. <laughs> Let me tell you what happened. Monday evening, I hardly ever got to put my kids to bed. but I got to put my children to bed that night. My boy, Bubba, who... <laughs> I'm sorry, all, all rednecks have a Bubba in the family. <laughs> Yankees have them too, and they call them Bubbettes. But anyway, here we go. Oh, Bubba! I got ready to put him to bed. He starts crying. Now, you get one of them old country boys to cry, a couple of things. His dog has died, his truck won't start, or his gun won't fire. <laughs> and I said, boy, what's wrong with you? He said, daddy... I need a Bible reason to know I'm going to heaven. 
I said, son, are you under conviction? He said, yes, sir. I said, do you want to be saved? He said, yes, sir. I said, well, get out and call on God. And oh, boy, oh, boy. I was there but old Bubba got saved. The next day on my way to the airport, the devil was nowhere to be found. So I thought I'd tell him, hey, devil, you lied again. Yeah. Two years later, I'm in North Carolina in a revival. My wife calls about 10 o'clock. I said, what is it? She's crying. She said, Joanna, that's my daughter. She said, she's walking the floor. She's crying. She don't want to die and go to hell. And I didn't mean it to sound this way, but I said, well, you claim to be a Christian leader to God. I didn't mean it that way. It just came out that way. You know what I done? I was eating at the Burger King with some of my friends. You said, why was you eating at Burger King? Well, why eat with the clam when you can eat with the king? And so I... <laughs> you got a sharp church, man. I'm telling you right now. That... You know what I done? I got me a couple of drivers. Drove all the way to Atlanta, Georgia, five hours. Got there at 4.30 in the morning. She's waiting up on me. By 5 o'clock, she didn't call on God and got saved. I took a shower, slept an hour or two, got back in the van and went back to finish that revival. And all of a sudden, going up Interstate 85 out of Atlanta, headed to North Carolina, the devil was nowhere to be found. So I thought I'd let him know, hey, big shot, you didn't lie again. I said, all that say this. The Arthur family is not special. We're sorry. We're low down. We're the worst Christians it's ever been. The only thing good about us is the Holy Ghost and the blood in Jesus Christ. And I'm just telling you, if God has saved one of my babies, he'll save one of yours. If God has saved my boy, he'll save yours. If God has saved my girl, he'll save yours. I'm telling you, there's a God tonight who can do what we cannot do, go where we cannot go, say what we cannot say. Somebody go get him tonight. He'll go home with you and he'll do for you what you could never do for yourself. Daddy and Jesus walks in that room. Jesus takes that little girl by the hand and lifts her up and says, Arise! And she arose and walked. Can I interpret that? I believe she went. <laughs> Woo! Yeah, Daddy, that feels good. And then here's where they were Baptist again. They gave her something to eat. I'm closing. Pastor, make your way up here, brother, if you will. I got a wild imagination. Can I use it one more time? How would you have liked to be in in that house, at that table, that night, when that daddy goes and say the blessing. I believe that little girl stopped him and said, Daddy, boy, you pray. Let me tell you something, Daddy. You've been a good daddy. You've been good to me and Mama. But Daddy, best thing you ever did for me 
was when you went over there and got Jesus and brought him to our house. Because daddy, since Jesus came to our house, sure has been different. And let me ask you this tonight in the closing moments of this meeting. Is there anybody in your life, anybody in your world that you love enough to go get God for? You've said everything there is to say. You've tried everything you know to try. You've talked so much to you sound like a broken record. Let's go get Jesus. Let's go get Jesus. And I promise you tonight, he'll do for you what he did for Jairus. Somebody go get God. Somebody go get God. Let's stand together, Lord Jesus. We love you tonight. We give you the glory in Jesus' precious name. Thank you, Pastor. are open. Maybe you need to just come and kneel here and say, I need to go get somebody and just commit it to the Lord. Maybe you need to be saved tonight. You've heard this message and uh, you've tried works, you've tried money, you've tried everything the world's got to offer. But tonight, you can have Jesus. As he begins to sing, you come. Come right on now. Altars are open, you come. Come on, Christians, because lead the way. Because He lives, I can face tomorrow. Because He lives, all fear is gone. Because It's worth a living just because He lives. Would you just bow your head and we're not going to linger a long time here tonight. Guys, I don't, I don't know what else to tell you. You heard the Word of God preached boldly. You have sensed the Holy Spirit in this place. And there are some of you here tonight that God's speaking to just like He was standing right next to you. I, I don't know what else to do. I, I want to pray for you. And then I'm going to ask you one last time. Would you be obedient to the Lord? If you came in here without Jesus, there's not a reason in the world to leave here without Jesus. And I want to tell you, the fact that these altars are still half empty, I think that just kind of pretty well shows us that we're at ease in Zion and we don't really give a rip about any of our family or our friends. We don't even want to come pray for them. Father, you know every heart in this place tonight. Lord, we've been told the truth. And God, we ask you now to help each one of us, for every one of us in this room, to, Lord, come to grips with the fact that there are people in our life that we walk by every day and yet never share Jesus with them. God, help us to commit them to you to pray for them and to encourage them and to be the people of God that they need to see, that they might come to know Jesus. Help us to care enough to go out of our way to get Jesus to come to them. Lord, have your way in this place tonight. We'll praise you and we'll thank you for what you're going to do in these next few moments. 
your will be done in Jesus' name. Amen. We'll sing again. If you're not going to come, then we will shut it down. It's up to you. God sent his son.